goal is to live more like Jesus. That's really what we've been looking at as we've been exploring this series together on uh, developing the rule, a rule of life. Um, if I can just get the slides up. There we go. Hang on. There we are. So they should be on the screen any moment. Um, we've been looking at how to live an unhurried life as an apprentice of Jesus in an ever-increasing busy and digital world. Now, you might have seen the news this week in amongst all the, and this is not to gloss over all that's going on in our world, but one of the headlines that caught my attention was Amazon tries robots to free up staff. Now, the cynic in me says, actually, they're not trying to free up staff, free up time. They're trying to free them and release them. But there we go. They're saying in machines will be more efficient than a human being. We, long, we live to see what that is. Anyway, where are we? Looking at our series, we've looked at the diagnosis. We've looked at Jesus' invitation. We've looked at silence and solitude, the desert. Today we're doing the Sabbath. Next week is simplicity and slowing. And then the more observant of you will notice I've added another week in, applying what we've learned. Because over the course of this series, as it's developed, I've just felt we actually need to work out how does this relate to us? There's been a lot of information coming out. I know we've not had a chance really to explore it in our groups because we're doing Freedom in Christ as well, which is also a really good thing to be doing. But actually, we need to spend some time going, where does all of this land with me? And that's why I like that video so much, because ultimately, it's to be more like Jesus. To be an apprentice of Jesus is to learn to be more and more like him. Today, we're exploring the concept of Sabbath. Now, I could have probably done a whole series on Sabbath, so I've really had to condense what I wanted to say this morning into 25 minutes. So hopefully it will, it will flow, but there is so much more that could be said, and it's just important to put that out there at this stage. There is so much that can be said about the Sabbath. I've just tried to shorten it and get it into one sermon. Here's a question for you. Why did you get up this morning? I taught the dog. Emily had to be on the desk to come to church. Any more? Emily was picking Chris up. So I suppose the question is, what, what desire did you have to get out of bed this morning. Was it that you're coming to church? I hope so. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. Did it, was it that you wanted to see the sunrise? Was it you needed a cup of coffee? That one's me definitely this morning. Was it simply the fact you needed to visit the bathroom? Everything we do is driven by our desires. Some of the more mundane things we do all relate to our desires because desire is what motivates us in life. One of my desires today is at the end of the service is to go home to finish off some admin tasks and then spend time with Amanda and the children. Desires are what keep us going through the day. However, if desires start to get out of control, then we start to see problems. If they start to drive our lives, we're in trouble. Desire is something that can never be satisfied. If I can quote the Rolling Stones in a sermon, I can't get no satisfaction. And you start to see that it's something that we have to contend with. 
Now, Karl Rahner says, in the torment of the insufficiency of everything attainable, we learn that ultimately in this world, there is no finished symphony. No finished symphony. Or perhaps put it another way, a cliffhanger. I'm going to see if you're going to get these references now. Did Charlie Croker and his team get the gold and off the mountain? Was Inception a dream as the spinning top starts to wobble? Of course, they're trivial movie references. Italian job, the original, and Inception. But they leave that unanswered question at the end. They leave us wanting more. They leave us, in some ways, unsatisfied that we've not got an ending. And that feeling, that's the feeling I want to pick up today. That feeling of the unending, the, uns- the dissatisfaction that we've not got a complete answer. Because that is the human condition. That feeling right there is the human condition. That is what can never be satisfied. That is what Rana is saying, is not the finished symphony. We don't get the ending. John Mark Comer in his book looks at it another way. Our desires are infinite, yet we are finite souls, which leaves us restless. So we live with that restlessness throughout our lives. No matter where we go, no matter how much money we have, what we eat, we will always want more. Funnily enough, Hannah and Joseph's first words were more. More, more. So, you may be wondering, how as a Christian, as apprentices of Jesus, do we answer that question and satisfy that restlessness? Well, for us, restlessness in many ways can be summed up by knowing that this is not our home, that it's simply a journey to eternity with Jesus. Our souls will not find complete rest until we are reunited with God, something we've been exploring in Freedom in Christ. I'm not going to go into that too much further here. St. Augustine, one of the great church fathers, says, you have made us for yourself, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. The human condition means that we tend to follow our earthly desires, which leads to more and more restlessness, which becomes worse as we follow our desires when we follow them more than following God. To make matters worse, advertising plays on our restlessness by telling us that whatever we need whatever's being advertised. Social media is even worse because we see the best bits of people's lives, the, the bits that they really want to share and boast about, but we don't see all the pain, the suffering, the hurt, the heartache that is behind all of that. And then it becomes a vicious cycle because we get caught up in the world and we leave behind God. When our human restlessness collides with the digital age, that's when we end up in crisis. And that is where we are now. The unfinished symphony in crisis because we are restless and the digital age is telling us to be even more restless. So why this long introduction? Well, I wonder, how are you feeling this morning? Are you feeling tired and restless? I don't mean tired because you've not had enough sleep. I don't mean restless because you might not be comfy on the seat. I mean in life, are you tired and restless? 
if you are friends, you're not alone. Because I think, actually, if we're really, really honest with one another, we can all agree that there is some part of tiredness and restlessness in our lives. But we are apprentices of Jesus. We are taught different ways. We are taught to be countercultural. We are taught to move away from the restlessness and turn our desires towards Jesus to become more like him. One way of doing that is practicing a Sabbath. That's why you had the long introduction. What do we mean by Sabbath? Here's one definition. A 24-hour time period of restful worship by which we cultivate a restful spirit in all of our life. It's time to stop, rest, delight, and worship. 24-hour time period. Notice it doesn't say it's a Sunday. It's a 24-hour time period where we stop, we rest, we delight, and we worship. The word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat which means literally to stop. So in essence, we're being told to stop for 24 hours. It's a command in the Ten Commandments, as we heard from Ted when he read Exodus. God tells us to keep the Sabbath holy and to rest. But what I want to explore this morning is how Sabbath can be much more than just one day a week to stop and step back from the pressures of life, but how Sabbath can become a way of being and when we practice it as a way of being, we then work, we then, sorry, we live from a place of rest rather than living a busy and hurried life and collapsing on the Sabbath and going, I've had enough, I'm tired, and not doing anything. There's a difference. So we want to look at how we can learn to live from a place of rest. Have a look at this list. Which one do you associate with the most? Restfulness, margin, slowness, quiet, deep relationships, time alone, delight, enjoyment, clarity, gratitude. I will share these slides with you later. Or is it relentless? Do you feel your life is busyness, hurry, noise, isolation, crowds, distraction, envy, confusion, and greed? Perhaps you associate with both and. I don't think any of us could say we probably are completely restful. There is probably an element of the relentlessness of life because that's what the society we live in. It's not to guilt trippers. It's just a sad fact of where the world is today. Amanda, the children and I usually tend to keep a Sunday afternoon free. And we usually end up watching something on TV which we're not really paying full attention to. We, we call it rubbish TV, you know, whatever's on, because we're both usually quite tired. We've been on the go all week. We've run around after the children and we just stop. And then it's Okay, Hannah needs a nappy. Which one of us is going to drag ourselves off the sofa and go and change this nappy? That's not a Sabbath. There is some benefit to just stopping. You might do something similar. But just stopping is not true rest. It's not a true Sabbath. So what about the way of Jesus? Well, the second reading we had today shows the Pharisees criticizing Jesus for picking grain on the Sabbath. And then we get that loving rebuke of Jesus in verse 27. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Pharisees had it wrong. Jesus, of course, had it right. The Pharisees were living in a legalistic, guilt-heavy culture that was not seeing the Father heart of God 
commanding people to rest. They were critical of work being done on the Sabbath. If we now fast forward to the 21st century, I'm not even sure we think we know what Sabbath is at all. It's not a common word in the English vocabulary. We tend not to practice Sabbath. Yes, we have a day off work. Yes, we attend Sunday worship when we can, unless there's something more important in our diaries. No guilt tripping. We simply don't do it. John Mark Comer quotes his friend A.J. Swober in his book, and he says this, The church has forgotten the Sabbath and has uncritically mimicked the rhythms of the industrial and success-obsessed West. And this has resulted in exhausted churches. Church, do we feel exhausted? It's because we're following the ways of the world rather than the ways of Jesus. We try and do lots because that's what the world tells us to do. Look busy. We try and mimic the patterns of the West rather than following the patterns that Jesus taught us of resting and having a Sabbath. A.J. Swoba goes on to say this. We are perhaps the most emotionally exhausted, psychologically overworked, spiritually malnourished people in history. Ouch. That stings. That hurts. Perhaps if we are too busy, we let our fellowship with God go. When we get busy, it's usually one of the first things that goes because and then we just turn to God when we have trouble. Perhaps we are in that generation. So for us, we have to remember the first part of verse 27 in Mark's Gospel of chapter 5, I think it is. The Sabbath was made for man. Sorry, chapter 2. The Sabbath was made for man, for humanity. It's a gift is the Sabbath. It's a gift from God to us. If we go back to the creation narrative, God rested. On the seventh day, God rested. We are created in his image. So how come we think we know better than God that we can continue to work seven days a week? We need to rest. It's a rhythm of life. If you cast your mind back right to the beginning of this series, when I shared the quotes about productivity, that actually we are most productive for six days of a week, and then we need to rest. If you do more than that, you are no, no more productive by working so many hours. There's a, there's a limit. God is speaking to us in creation that we need to have a Sabbath. And in many ways, our culture today fights that six days work, one day off cycle because it's causing us to go quicker and quicker and quicker and burnout and stress are on the rise. Why? Because we're not taking the time to rest and follow the path that the Creator God has given us, that our Father has given us. That all sounds pretty bad, doesn't it? Perhaps you're sat there thinking, come on, Tim, where's the good news? I want to hear some good news today from you. A tutor of mine at college always used to say, when you're preparing a sermon, you need to ask yourself the question, where is the good news? Well, that all seems quite glim and bad, but we do get some good news, friends. I'm not going to give you all of this stuff and then say that's the end. Sabbath comes from Shabbat, which, as I said earlier, means to stop. But... It also means to delight, to stop and delight. When God rested, he wasn't burnt out and restless and needed to stop. No, God wanted to stop and delight in what he had created. 
So why don't we start to practice stopping and delighting, which is what God has intended for us. In the creation narrative, God blesses three things. He blesses the animals with the prayer, be fruitful and multiply. He blesses humanity with the same prayer, be fruitful and multiply. And then he blesses the seventh day, the Sabbath, and makes it holy. The first two things that he blesses are there to procreate, to bring new life. Animals and humanity, to bring new life. So too is the Sabbath. The Sabbath is there as a gift from God to bring new life. It's there to enable us to fill the world up with more because it allows us to start working from a place of rest so we are more efficient and more productive and get stuff done. Life is tiring. So we need to take time to stop and fill ourselves back up with true life, which is found when we rest with Jesus. Sabbath rest allows us to experience the living God who knows us better than we know ourselves. If we don't practice the Sabbath, we see the consequences. We get worn out. We get another cold in the winter. We feel lethargic. We find excuses not to do things. We become irritable. Sure, we can all associate with these. And we eventually crash. If I'm really tired, I often can't decide what to eat. If, we've not, if Amanda and I haven't decided beforehand. And Amanda says it's really frustrating because then when she says, do you want, I don't know, sausage and mash? I don't know. Do you want pasta? I don't know. Do you want pizza? I don't know. And she gets really frustrated because there's something as simple as choosing what to eat I cannot do when I am so, so tired. And when we get to that point, we are in danger. So prior to embarking on this learning curve of John Mark Homer's book, that was me. I was missing things. I was irritable. I was probably a lot of other things as well. And when I got the gastritis, it forced me to stop. And it was when I was forced to stop, I realized just how tired I actually was. The enforced stop made me spend time with God and get to the real stuff. God got behind my pretense and facade that I'd been showing that everything was okay. In many ways, to me, it felt a bit like a divine telling off. Come on, Tim. You're working too much. You're do not doing things properly. It's time to get in line with me and the way I want you to live. Perhaps that's why I then read the book, which had been on my shelves, Confession, for two years. And guess what? I'd not had the time to read it. Yes, of course, before I was ill, I was having a day off, but it wasn't life-giving. It was going to the supermarket. It was making sure bills were paid. It was making sure we had enough nappies. It was doing the washing. But now... I find time to rest in God and learning how to work from a place of rest rather than a place of hurrying around all the time. In some ways, Sabbath is coming for all of us. It's our choice whether we want it to be a delight or a discipline. We're going to quickly take a, a detour to Exodus and Deuteronomy and have a quick look at those as we sort of come towards the end and think of the Ten Commandments. And I apologize, there's so many words in this, it's really hard to read, but it's basically the reading we had this morning from Exodus. 
Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, etc. That's the reading that Ted brought us this morning. God commands us to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. We, however, are prone to forgetfulness, and we often forget the Sabbath. We take time to remember that life is a gift, and we remember to be present in the moment and accept it as a gift. That's what we do on the Sabbath. Often, it's when I'm seeing people in a funeral visit, they realize just how much of a gift life was when the person is no longer with them. Now, the Sabbath commandment is one of is the only one of the Ten Commandments to have a why attached to it. It doesn't say do not murder because dot, dot, dot. It's do not murder. But this says, remember the Sabbath day, keeping it holy, and explains why. It's the only one. God goes back to the Genesis story. He recalls those unhurried rhythms of grace we explored a couple of weeks ago. And Sabbath is the only spiritual discipline that makes it into the Ten Commandments. Nowhere in the Ten Commandments does it say, read your Bible every day. Nowhere in the Ten Commandments does it say, go to church. I mean, church didn't exist when the Ten Commandments were written, but you get the point. Nowhere in there does it say, pray. But a spiritual discipline it does say is, keep the Sabbath holy. Now let's skip forward to Deuteronomy. We get the Ten Commandments given to the next generation. What's the main difference? No longer does it say, remember. It says, observe. Now, you might just say to me, well, they're synonyms of each other, Tim. But if we look more closely, if we think about it, we observe things like Christmas and Easter rather than simply remembering them. Observing something means we have to get ready for it and prepare for it. The plans are well underway for preparing for Christmas in this church. We have to prepare. So we can't just get to the seventh day and stop. We have to prepare for it. That's what it's getting at in Deuteronomy. We have to prepare. We have to approach it with anticipation. The other, alter, the other change in this version of the Ten Commandments is that God reminds the Israelites of their time in Egypt. And he says, therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath. Why? Because the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. They didn't have a day off. They didn't have time to practice the Sabbath. In Exodus, we're looking at the commandment from the sense of the rhythms of the world and a gift from God. But in Deuteronomy, the command is grounded in the Exodus story. It's the first generation to grow up in freedom following the release from captivity in Egypt. They didn't have, they, they, the generation who was captive didn't have those days off. Sound familiar? We live in the thick of things, wanting more, expecting more, demanding more. But Sabbath allows us to slow down. And as the great Walter Brueggemann says, Sabbath is an act of resistance. It's an act of resistance to the world which demands more and more and more of us. Imagine if society switched to a 24-6 week. And for 24 hours every week, Everything stopped. The restaurants didn't open. Amazon warehouses closed. Websites stopped taking orders. Planes, trains, buses stopped running. How different would things look? Of course, that's not going to happen. But what we do see happening, though, 
is certain people making a difference. The entertainer, the toy shop, they don't open on Sundays. When Christmas Eve was a Sunday a few years back, supposedly the, one of the busiest shopping days in the year, they stayed shut. And guess what? They didn't notice a dip in their profits. Chick-fil-A, a chicken cha- fast food chain in Texas, they're owned by Christians. They don't open on a Sunday. And when I was out there, I remember the chap I was staying with, he said, it's funny because I usually get my cravings for Chick-fil-A on a Sunday because it's not open. So we start to see how we can impact things because people are noticing that certain places are not open. But we can't just slam on the brakes. We have to prepare to feel and expect to feel different on the Sabbath so that when we come out of it, we're living from that place of rest rather than rushing. Because as David says in Psalm 23, I lack nothing. We lack nothing too. Walter Brueggemann again says, people who keep the Sabbath live all seven days differently. How much does your work week look the same? Or do you live differently? Do you live from that place of rest? And to finish a quote from Ronald Rollheiser, again taken from John Mark Homer's book, true restfulness, though, is a form of awareness a way of being in life. It is living ordinary life with a sense of ease, gratitude, appreciation, peace, and prayer. We are restful when ordinary life is enough. So let me ask, go back to that list. Are you feeling restful? Or are you struggling with the relentlessness of the world? Is it time to not just remember the Sabbath, but to actually observe the Sabbath? However that looks for you, and it will be different for all of us, to take time to stop, to rest, to delight, and to worship.